Welcome to the Listics AFL podcast, where we analyze AFL list building, free agency, trade, and the draft. We're also working to help everyone achieve their best possible mental health, and we'd like to acknowledge our podcast partners, Beyond Blue. If you're feeling low, anxious, or you need to talk to someone, please contact the team at Beyond Blue. You can call them anytime on 1300 22 46 36, or visit them at the website at www.beyondblue.org.au. Now, without further ado, I'm John Van Norden. And I'm Sean Lewis, and it's Listics Podcast time. We're back, mate. Um, time to get the third one of these Opportunities Podcast um, recorded. Absolutely, mate. Um, excited. Um, this one is uh, should finish off this little series. I know you did a, a midweek um, little thing for the Keepers, um, and we'll probably, we'll probably do something in a bit more depth around super coaching Keepers and stuff. Uh, probably, probably the next one after we finish these opportunities. Yeah, because we've got um, so we've got our keeper draft starting as of Friday um, this week. So uh, recording this one on Sunday, so it's coming up in five days. So we'll know a lot more about what the first round or two of our um, keeper league looks like. The draft, um, yeah. so we can give you some feedback on that, as well as talking about our super coach teams in the. Um, in the run into round one, we'll have also seen a few more practice games by then. So we'll probably have some more relevant, um, relevant context to be working off. I think it's going to be a really interesting season. I mean, um, you know, just thinking about it here, we will be able to talk a little bit more around the, the different strategies. I know that in amongst our, our um, kind of super coach group we have, there's, um, there's a lot of interesting strategies at play. Um, and, and as always, everything comes down to, so I guess what rookies are available to us at round one, but I think this year, probably for the first time in uh, two or three years, um, the set and forget ruck strategy may be under threat. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, okay, as I said, we're gonna we'll have to talk a bit more about that in um, in detail in the other podcasts. Um, just before we we launch into this one, um, we'd first like to acknowledge and pay our respects to the traditional custodians of the land on which we live the Barong people, Barong people of the Kulin Nation. Um, again, uh, we gave a bit more of an explainer last week as to as to um, our background and why we're going to start doing that a lot more, um, but really excited to have that as part of the podcast now. Um, and I'm probably excited to just jump straight into this one. I've actually really enjoyed our opportunity series. So um, do you want to launch into Port Adelaide? No mental health minute. Well, of course, mental health minute, mate. I am, um, I'm, I, you know, I'm adjusting to the fact that we now do a couple of things at the start of the podcast, and um, <laughs> I've still got to, I've still got to be able to adapt to that. So, yeah, how are you, how are you traveling? Yeah, look, I'm doing well, mate. I, I yeah, it's been a a busy week. Is um, I've got a new role coming up at work, so um, it's been a busy week handing over projects and and. Um, I guess getting prepared for that new role, um, which is exciting in itself. Um, but yeah, look, overall we're another week closer to our, our baby arrival uh, for number two. So um, there's another list of things for me to get done around the house. And, um, but yeah, no, we're in we're in a really good space. Um, also dealing with a uh, a toddler hitting the uh, the tantrum stage, which is. It's uh, interesting in itself. I Sounds think. exciting. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I think we can. We were going to podcast earlier in the week, and I had to had to cancel it because uh, 
I was, you know, having to deal with a, a very emotional toddler. Um, at that age, they obviously don't have emotional regulation. So, you know, you have to put a lot of effort and care into it to, to you know, give them the safe space to let the emotion out as they need it and, and support. Um, and unfortunately, um, that particular night that we were planning, um, my wife was, was uh, not only is she 35 weeks pregnant, but she'd been dealing with it for most of the day. So um, I needed to step up and, and give her a break. And, and, you know, that's the beauty of this podcast, you know, between you and me, we just talk openly and honestly when we're able to do it. And, you know, I thank you for your flexibility. Um, and, and yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it makes it easy. It makes it, it basically enables us to keep podcasting the fact that we're so flexible around each other's calendars and we slot them in when we can and i know it can be a bit frustrating probably for listeners that we're not uh, a regular you know drop once a week kind of thing but um yeah we, we both lead um quite busy lives so it's important to be flexible around that and understanding and yeah definitely yeah. appreciate your understanding yeah no we do listeners and and again thank you for that we um, we made a commitment really early on to say that life always comes first um so we um, take that as liberally as we need to um, to be able to deal with the things that life are throwing at us. Um, but it does, again, as Sean said, mean that occasionally things are a little bit more sporadic. But thank you for sticking with us um, so loyally. Appreciate it. Um, a couple of big things this week. Uh, one was that my brother and his partner um, gave birth to their first chid. So Felix David Van Norden um, was welcome to the world on Tuesday. So that was um, that was really exciting. Um, That's amazing. Yeah, they're really um, still dealing with all of the um, stress of you know giving birth for the yeah. first time. And um, John, John show me a photo, and he's beautiful. Uh, beautiful little bub. Um, so yeah, so Luke is. Um, I think he's went two and a half days without sleep um, in the middle there, just because there were some complications at the time, but. Um, they're all um, all healthy and well now and I think headed home today. So um, I think they're excited to start their new life. And um, my week's been pretty good. I mean, b- besides having a um, new little nephew um, to, to join in, um, I also started, I think I mentioned at the start of the year that I was committed to doing more of the things that I love. Um, so one of those things was coaching volleyball, which was a sport I played a whole lot growing up. So I had my first week of coaching volleyball. Um, How'd you go? Two two five a.m. starts um, for for six a.m. training um, or six fifteen training. Um, so that was early. Um, I'm not not used to not getting as much sleep as I decide. Um, it's having to live on other people's schedules isn't as part of my life yet. Um, but no, it went well. Um, really happy to be back coaching um, and. Yeah, makes me makes me really happy. Couldn't stop thinking about um, different things that I could help the players develop with later. Um, so yeah, that was that was really exciting for me. So things are things are going pretty well here. Still pretty tired though. Um, I also have my booster, um, and <laughs> I had this. Um, I decided to push it really hard after I got it. Where I had the booster, and then a day later, I was feeling invincible. Um, so I woke up at early, played a game of basketball before work, had a coffee and then had another two coffees and had a bagel, went to a personal training session and I was just had no good fuel and a booster. 
and I just hit a wall so hard. Um, I was in bed um, for like about five hours that afternoon just trying to recover. Uh, so I think that I've had the worst of the fever um, from uh, from the booster now um, and now I can probably stop complaining and just enjoy things. So enjoy the added protection. That's it. It's uh, yeah. It's interesting the way it hits different people. Um, I mean, I ended up mixing and matching. So I had a Pfizer and then Moderna booster. Um, and yeah, like I, I was expecting to really cop symptoms and, and I only really had like a sore neck and shoulder and a little headache whilst, um, some of my family members um, were bedridden for two days, which was yeah. just crazy. It's amazing how it just impacts differently. And you do, yeah, like I, 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 I couldn't believe like how good I felt. I was expecting it to be so much worse. Yeah. Maybe, well, maybe that's the thing in my head. I, I don't know though, mate, because I had, but my, I had no reaction at all to the first two. And then I had COVID and had nearly no symptoms. Um, like I had a headache some mornings. This was more like I was more heavily symptomatic after this, which I've said, as in, if anything, I feel like is a good thing um, yeah. because it is just increasing my defenses for the future. Um, but man, did it, it surprise me. It came out of the blue. Um, yeah. And you're, you're, you're not one who, who makes decisions that, that uh, ultimately uh, back quest- questionable. And, uh... I was like, I was saying it because I had to still work. So I was on the phone to someone from work and I was saying, I don't know why I thought having three coffees and a bagel and doing two pieces of intense physical exercise would work when every time I've ever had a bagel and coffee and then gone and worked out, I've felt just horrendous every single time. I've done it at least 20 times. Um, I love bagels and coffee too much to uh, like, you know that I'm a bagel and coffee man. So it, um, but I've got to learn my lesson eventually and probably <laughs> eat a little bit better before I work out or give myself a bit of a break if I'm feeling a little bit down because I had the booster. Maybe plan that stuff in a bit better. We've come a long way since our old uh, porridge mornings when we were graduates. Yeah, I still have, I still have porridge every single morning during the week. Um, that was I didn't have por- I've had porridge for. Four mornings out of the five of the working week. The one where I didn't was when I played basketball and PT. That's, that was and the that's, mistake. And that's the one that's destroyed you. That was the mistake. It was no porridge. Um, I still like a good base, a, a nice warm base, healthy meal to start the day. Yeah, fair enough. So, no, it's good, mate. It is. It's it's good to get um, get back on that exercise band. I played my first game of basketball since I broke my leg actually the other night. Awesome. Needless to say, I, I, I blew up about three minutes into the second half. Um, and when I say blew up, I mean, like, I was done. Done. <laughs> Put a fork in me. I'm off the court. Sorry, boys. Uh, we got lucky we had a bench, to be honest. So, um, yeah, basically, it, like, my, car, my calves just got so tight I could barely run. Because even though, like, I, I thought I'd be really smart about it. And it's funny, like, you know, you talk about the, the bagels and coffee in hindsight. And it's the same thing. I was actually talking to another mate about it the other day. And like, I've been just where we live, there's a few nice hills. So I've just been doing um, some jogging up and down um, and around the, the area a bit. Um, and I'm not the best runner to say the least of things, but it's some form of exercise. Um, and I thought, you know, oh, I've been doing it for about two or three weeks and got a bit of conditioning into my muscles. So, you know, I should be right to play a game of basketball. 
Um, and anyway, like light running versus physical intensity of basketball, running and jumping. So different, anyway, isn't I, it? Yeah, I bet I could barely walk the next day. Yeah. My, my wife conveniently pointed out, you're not 21 anymore. Uh, it takes you can't some, just, you know, yeah. do a couple of jogs and think you can go out and play a game of basketball. It's so funny that like the, as you said, like that conditioning, um, I mean, it must translate as well. I know that a lot of these guys never actually lose fitness, but the extra work that more senior athletes in the AFL need to put in to stay at peak physical fitness. Um, Cause the same thing happened with me. I think I told you when I started playing beach volleyball, like I was halfway through the second set and I couldn't, I could almost not breathe. I was like, I can't believe how tired I am. Mm. Um, and two, three weeks in, I'm fine. Like my conditioning is back to a lot of what it used to be. I'll never reach that same level. Um, but man, it's yeah, crazy different. Yeah. So anyway, a word, a word to our listeners. Uh, don't just, uh, as you age, don't, don't think you can just run out and go play a game of basketball without any sort of uh, built up beforehand yeah it was fun and i was actually playing really well it was, it was like that you know that first game luck i was i was pretty happy yeah. with my efforts and then i um yeah just just we're done half time just that that five minute cool down yeah was just enough to have the calves just really set them into stone yeah and and uh yeah i was literally i think it was three minutes in i just turned and said boys i'm done i'm out <laughs> so anyway um port adelaide i'll jump in or you want to or no you take port mate no problems all right so port adelaide probably the big change for port this year in terms of coaching and and uh support staff has been the loss of voss um obviously michael voss has uh come across to carlton as a head coach and and you know he was uh, you know ken hinkley senior assistant effectively um and i think you know having a senior assistant that had coached at AFL level really does help um, a lot of coaches. You know, you can see, um, you know, pretty much, might, well, we'll talk about Richmond. They've got David Teague's come across. Melbourne's got Choco and um, uh, Alan Richardson uh, as in a senior role there. Um, you know, like, there's a lot of those ex- Brennan Bolton is back at Hawthorne or... I think he might actually be at um, he's either at Hawthorne or at um, or at Collingwood. Yeah, with Craig oh, yeah. McRae. Yeah, maybe he's going to Collingwood. Yeah, so I mean, look, like it's good to see these ex ex senior coaches um, getting a bit of uh, or coming on as assistants because um, one, it's important you retain that knowledge, and two, I think it really does help because senior coaching in itself now has become such a a job in itself that. You know that having support that understands is really important. So um, I don't think we can underestimate the loss of of Michael Voss. Um, uh, and realistically, they've also oh sorry, they've also lost Jared Schofield, and and they haven't really bought in any senior assistant senior coaching experience there. Um, so they're probably more just reshuffling their coaching department to support. Um, in terms of who's left, um, Trent Burgoyne. Joel Garner, Tyson, uh, Tyson Goldsack, Hamish Hartlett, Peter Laddams, obviously traded, Jared Leanitz, Tom Rockliffe, and Boyd Woodcock. So all delisted or retired. Um, based on this, we've, we've assessed it as about one and a half playing spots because I guess Hamish Hartlett had had moved out of the side 
um, towards the end of the year. So, so probably between Hartlett, um, Leanitz, uh, Rockcliffe, but, you know, they've probably made up about, um, you know, a half. Um, Peter Laddams played most of last year, um, traded off to Sydney. Um, in a, it's an interesting trade, um, I think, because um, obviously Laddams offered a lot um, for Port, but they felt they had depth in the area. Um, and with getting Jeremy Finlayson coming back the other way from GWS um, probably gave them more of a forward ruck than a ruck forward, if that makes sense. Um, so so Laddams probably fell more in the, you know, a ruck who could play forward rather than a forward who could play ruck. Um, so, so Finlayson comes in and they have Sam Hayes coming in behind. Um, arriving, so Finlayson obviously through trade, um, Sam Skinner, uh, Josh Sin, their high draft pick, so pick 12, who's a quite a smooth mover off the half-back line and probably will push through a wing, I'd imagine. Hugh Jackson, Dante Vicenti, Vicentini. Um, I'll have to learn how to pronounce that properly. Jace Burgoyne, um, assuming that was a father-son. Yeah, probably would have been. Yeah. Um, Trent DeMont through the rookie draft, so obviously picking up some real, some good uh, inside experience there. Um, they've promoted uh, Martin Frederick. Um, what's the, what's what's the like the the new name Man, Manguru? Manguru Frederick. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Must, I'll I'll do a quick check of that. It must be a. Um, I'll, I'll have a quick look at so, as must, to yeah. when that changed. Um, they've retained Sam Mays. Uh, again, Mays played a few games last year, so um, not a bad retained rookie there. Um, long-term injuries, so they weren't really, they didn't really have a lot um, coming back. They've had they had a lot of niggles last year, um, but Dixon and um, uh, who was the other one? Fantasia both went down in preseason. Um, I think Fantasia or Fantasia or however. <laughs> Yeah, you know the thirty thousand ways to say his name, um, depending on who's saying it. Um, he he's obviously out for the start of the season, I believe. Um, and Dixon went in for surgery, um, and, and would be touch and go for round one. And if he did make it, probably fairly underprepared. Um, so I guess looking at that, that's where the Finlayson comes in. Um, and then talking about breakouts and development, you know Sam Hayes. Um, has had one person removed from in front of him, so this is this is his chance. Um, I'm also going to throw Todd Marshall into this because um, he, he kind of came onto the scene and looked really good, um, and we thought, geez, you know, this kid keeps developing on this curve; he's going to be an absolute star. Um, and I don't think he's developed at all from from the start. So he, he came from what he was when he came in to now. I don't think he's had a lot of development, which is, you know, um, it's really, you know, it, it's now he's, what, five years into the system, Todd Marshall. So it's really important that he, he really stamps his, his um, makes his stamp on the game, I guess. Yep. Um, Georgiades as well. So that, I guess that's three kind of forward tools, um, all young, all developing that they've got. So it's great for their, their depth and their future. Um, but this is a team that's contending at the moment. So... You know, Georgiades needs to come on quick, and I think he—I think he's probably the one of the three that I'm the most confident about. Yeah, um, I think he can certainly um, get ahead of Marshall. 
um, and he's already ahead of, of Hayes as well. So um, it'll really come down to, to Finlayson, Hayes, Marshall battling it out for probably um, one spot over the course of the year, um, assuming Dixon plays at full forward. So um, they've also got uh, Lockie Jones, um, hopefully injury-free. Uh, all reports are that he was very, very good for Port uh, or for one of the sides in the intra-club and has been training the house down, which is great, um, as well as Miles Bergman, who, who really has an opportunity to, to take the next step. I mean, I mean, look, with Port, you could probably also list Butters, Rosie and Dersmer as well as taking that next step from you know, yeah. exciting youngsters into stars and, and you know, especially Butters and, and Rosie. It's really on them to to be ready to take the next step. Um, yeah, I don't think that there's that many opportunities created in Port's list position. So I think that um, the ones you talked about at the very start, Laddam's leaving, Finlayson in. For me, I think Finlayson gets the spot because he can chop out in the ruck um, over yeah. potentially... Um, uh, what was the Todd Marshall? Um, yeah. I, I think he sneaks in over Todd Marshall. Hamish Hartlett played about half of the year, and Miles Bergman played the other half. I think Miles Bergman takes the rest of that spot. Um, Butters played a lot injured last year, uh, so did Rosie. And when they were in the side, they were both in. Um, I think a lot of the development will come internally. Um, they've got the they've got the players um, to be able to win a premiership. Um, just whether they can get it done or not, um, yeah. whether they all take the next step. Yeah, it's such a it's such a tricky one with Port's list. I mean, we, we're full of praise, you and I, because they're you know they're transitioning whilst contending, which is such a difficult thing. But it's all, also what you're seeing is the um, fragility or the you know the risk in it all is that you're not quite you, the guys that you know will eventually you know be stars like your butters and your rosies. They're not quite good enough at this moment to get you over the line so you yeah become, you become just a contender it, it's that i think it's that argument of um would they take that next step if they were thrust upon more opportunity like as in if you put rosie and butters at the center bounce instead of gray and boke yep. um kept wines in there are you eventually going to get a team that can win a premiership in finals with that midfield or are you more likely to win one this year um, by keeping the old guard? And I think that they're starting to do a bigger transition this year. Um, yeah. So expect to see as far as opportunities go that the midfield time goes up for those guys who will eventually transition there full time. Um, and that the midfield time comes slightly down for Gray and Boke. Um, I think I think Gray's got to be permanent forward this year and only really thrown in there is impact. So yeah. like I'd almost take... I'd almost expect a 90-10 split this year. Yeah, I would hope so. Like, I, I think that you're right. Um, it, potentially like a late in the third, fourth yeah. quarter um, where he's still got some legs because he's been playing more forward um, yeah. and can go in there and break open a, a stoppage or add something slightly different. The, the other one as well um, who probably should also be thrown in here and, and falls into the same bucket as Marshall and, and that's Sam Powell Pepper. And, and I know that... The, Again, uh, he's had a rip-roaring preseason by all accounts, um, and that's the problem with preseason. Everyone's been uh, on fire, and as one of my old coaches used to say, um, intra-club matches are a bit like dancing with your sister. Doesn't really count. Um, yeah, I, I say I was going to go on a little not a rant, um, uh, make a comment about this when I was seeing a lot of the intra-club notes. 
intra-club notes are useful when they run a team like Brisbane do, which is probables versus possibles um, because you get to see who's most likely lining up. But what you find is that there's twice as many good players because from your own club because there's twice as many of your own club playing. Um, you've got 44 rather than or at least 36 on the ground at a time, all from your club usually. Um, So you're always going to see that a young rookie outperforms what you thought they would because they're given more opportunity than they would in a real game as well. So when the real practice games start, we'll see a little bit more of what reality might look like and then it'll kick even further over um, not too far away. Just quickly before we we jump on to Richmond, um, I did the quick Google search and uh, Manguru Frederick would be his full name, um, like would be his correct name, and he would go by Martin. Um, And that's the same for uh, Minario Frederick, who's his brother that plays for Fremantle, who goes by Michael Frederick. Um, I think it's... Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure why there's a there's a choice to have a different name, um, but that that's that's the reason that I could find. It's like people who are called James who get say they're Jimmy. Yeah, yeah, possibly. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. It's probably more of an anglicised name in this case. But yeah, that's that's my thoughts as well. Um, I, I didn't want to speculate um, too much just because I don't know the major reason, but that was yeah. the that was the reason for us being slightly confused as we had the name written there. Um, yep. as Martin in brackets um, yep. or in um, inverted commas, sorry. Um, Jumping Ri- into Richmond. Yeah, Richmond. So Richmond have had um, a couple of changes in the coaching area. So they had, I think it was Lepich leave. Um, so Lepich was I, there for... Was last year, I think. I was there last year. Okay, then. So yep. Teague, Teague is in um, into Richmond, which is a good pickup for them. Um, someone again with that senior coaching experience to be able to support um, Dimmer and what they've got going on over there. Um, and as well, I think Teague being uh, like a, probably a more offensive style coach will, will help with their ball movement. Um, I think that's one area I'm, I'm looking at Richmond this year and looking to see some, some improvements. Um, you know they, they've been so good for the last kind of four years, four years before last year. I mean, last year they were destroyed by injury, but you know, in, in terms of always kind of being a step ahead in the game, um, you know, their their game plan became the blueprint for others. Yeah. Um, and and I felt yeah, last year with the injuries and and everything else, they obviously slipped back to the pack a bit. Um, and, and having someone who is a senior coach and and you know Carlton offensively you know they had the coleman medalist so you know that kind of says that offensively their game was designed pretty okay um it wasn't obviously the you know it wasn't fully successful because it lacked the defense and we all know that we've all spoken about the issues with carlton last year um but yeah having having that sort of uh, i guess focus on ball movement and attacking um yep i think will also help richmond because they're, they're quite solid defensively they've effectively got a very very strong back more yeah they do um and there's a couple of changes to that with uh asbury and bashahuli retiring uh they lost maybe child to gold coast as a free agent calum coleman jones to north melbourne via a trade um derek egmolosi egmolosi smith um was delisted as was ryan garthwaite and patrick nash um so that kind of opens up 
three or two playing spots, depending on how you look at it. Hooley would have guaranteed himself a playing spot if he was fit. Um, so he opens up a spot, but missed a lot of games last year. So not really increasing the total amount of um, spots from last year with with him leaving. Um, who arrived Tarrant to directly replace slash improve Asprey's, um, the lack of Asprey. Uh, Gibkiss coming in at pick nine, Tom Brown pick 17, Tyler Sonzi at pick 28, Sam Banks 29, and Judson Clark at pick 30. Um, so a good... A very, very good draft, that. Yeah, great for them. Um, I mean, really useful for them to be able to draft all of these kids because you would hope that a Gibkiss works out um, as your early pick and then say two to three of um, Brown, Sonzi, Banks, and Clark. Probably you, generally around that mark, your strike rate drops to about, you know, somewhere around 50%. So you hope for one star or one really strong player and one role player out of that. Um, and you've done well to continue to build. Um, promoted uh, Ron Mansell and Noah Cumberland uh, and uh, Biggie Nguyen, Mopigo and Nguyen was a retained rookie. Um, LTIs is an interesting one because they were obviously hit with injury last year. So uh, we mentioned Hooley, who's actually retired, missed a lot of last year. Prestia only played nine games with injury. Uh, Vlosten played 12, Lambert 13. Bolter and Soldo both played 14 games. And it was a similar story for a lot of them, actually, where a lot of their best players, I think Dusty might have played 15. Um, so a lot of their best players played reduced games last year. So I would say that the opportunities for their young guys are actually going to be restricted this year. And, and you're also the one missing off that is Dusty Martin. That's what I said. I think he, I think he played about fifteen games and and obviously missed the back, the back six. Um, and so a lot, all of those guys are walk up starts. Um, there's there's no doubt about any of those guys being a walk up start. So I think that the opportunities for young guys will be a little bit restricted this year, not increased. Um, given the fact that you've also brought in Tarrant to replace the output of Asprey. Um, they played with three talls last year, most of the year with either or both of Mavio Chol and Callum Coleman-Jones supporting Rewalt and Lynch. So I think they'll that, probably play Nankervis and Soldo together. Yeah, I think exactly. So what now Soldo's back, I think that that fills that gap anyway because they'll play two um, and, the, and the other two forwards. So I don't think that a whole lot opens up for them in their forward line. Um, and I think the rest of it comes from that internal development as well. So... I do think there's potentially one or two spots up for grabs as potentially like a smaller forward or a running defender, um, someone to replace Hooley. Um, I, I can't remember exactly who it was. It might have been Cumberland um, or Ralph, maybe Ralph Smith. Um, yeah, Ralph that. Smith might have been playing that role in the um, preseason game and, and seems to be going quite well in it. Um, but that's that's probably the position that is up for grabs is that role that Hooley would have played. Um, so you've already got short. You can be guaranteed as locking down one of those. Um, the breakouts and development is a really interesting one. I think all of these guys haven't taken that next step yet, um, or maybe even the, the 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 first real step, like locking down a best twenty two spot. Um, so Riley Collier, Dawkins, Thompson, Dow, and Jack Ross. Um, Jack Ross has probably played the most games out of them, and always seems to be in and out of the side. Um, seems to be the first one dropped each time. They probably need one of those guys to step up into a true best 22 midfielder because if there's an area of Richmond that seems to be getting weaker as time goes on, it's their midfield. Um, I think Dustin Martin getting older, Cochin getting older, 
um, Lambert getting older, uh, Pickett getting older. Um, I mean, that's just not fair. All of, all of them are getting older. Um, that That's always going to happen, but they're all approaching that 30, 31, where the decline starts to happen in terms of speed. Um, and I think that they need one of these guys who can potentially turn into a dynamo to step up if they want to be able to go head-to-head with the likes of the Bulldogs or Melbourne in the middle. Yeah, I think um, I think it's already been said that, that Cochran will, will probably play less time in the middle. So that, that that's going to open up spots. Um Dusty traditionally, you know, plays kind of that, well, probably like, what is it, 60-40 type split. Um, so, you know, there's definitely opportunity in there. Um, Edwards, what are they, you know, they could almost get Shane Edwards to play the Basher Hooley role and that opens up a midfield spot. Um, yeah, there, there's, there's opportunities there and, and, you know, Dimmer's not afraid to flick the magnets around and, until he finds the right mix. But I definitely, uh, well, it's publicly what they've stated is that, you know, they're looking uh, for at least two of these guys to, to join the best 22 um, pretty pretty much straight away. So yep. they, I think they acknowledge internally that, you know, they need, they need this growth um, from within for them to take the next step. And, and RCD offers them something different to what they've got. You know, he's an extractor, but he's a tall extractor um, uh, who is, you know, quite strong through the through the hips and and stands his ground quite well rather than, you know, I think Prestia, who currently plays that sort of role, is more of a, I don't know, burrower is what I'd call it. Um, you know, low centre of gravity, you know, finds the gaps, you know, through the yep. hips and everything. And so it just kind of... Um, yeah, it just kind of gives them something different. Ross, yeah, I agree with you. Ross is probably the closest. He's probably in their best 24 um, sitting on that fringe and he needs to take that step. And, and Thompson Dowell, again, you know, probably um, probably a little similar to a young Cochin in terms of athletic traits. So, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's a uh, what I always think is hard um, with a lot of these guys is that they, and I know that the AFL draft isn't everything, um, but they're all picks after 20 um, in terms of their, their draft range, uh, mm-hmm. and, which is just where you start to get to a point of um, feeling like you get less certainty. Um, and I think it was around Cochin's third year where he played 17 games and started to, started to step up. Um, yeah. And then two or three years after that, he won a Brownlow medal and, was playing 22 games and regularly being a dominant midfielder. So yep. um, this is what those guys have in front of them. They they probably need to have that year where they play 15-plus games um, and start to really look like they're going to be a part of the future. Here's, here's a question for you. Um, Josh Gibkiss, so, you know, uh, 195 key defender, um, pairs up with Robbie Tarrant to free up Bolter. Um, do you play Bolter on a wing forward or play him as your third intercepting backman? Yeah, there's some reports saying that he might have played forward time um, during the intra-club match. Um, I, what I would do, though, is play Bolter back and play Gibkiss in the VFL most of the year. Um, okay. Coming off like a heavily interrupted 2021 um, didn't get much playing time being a Victorian kid, so he's had a bit of time to develop his body. But 
playing against big key backs every single week. He'll be training with guys like Robbie Tarrant um, who can teach him the craft. But I think that he just needs time in the VFL first. I I, I don't think he's right and ready. Yeah, I was just more, just looking at it, I was just thinking, hmm. Yeah, look, don't get me wrong. I think that they are going to try something like that. Um, And if they were, then I would be more likely to look at him as like a (laughs) ruck wing forward um, and play one ruckman rather than two. I mean, just, just to give the listeners a bit of perspective, like uh, I think Bolter's one of the – I'm not sure if I mentioned this on the podcast before. I think he's the only kid I've ever watched at under-18s in a game who I've seen take, oh, I reckon, at least five intercept marks uh, in the back line and then get thrown forward at the end of the game and have five shots on goal in a quarter. Yeah, he's um, got it's and he could probably he probably go into the ruck and he, he did get that fi- game as well. and get five clearances as well. Like he he has some incredibly explosive traits that oh. make him um, when he's on unstoppable. Yeah. Um, I think that I like the fact that he at the moment when he goes back he plays with the ball in front of him all the time. Yeah. Um, some guys sometimes bigger guys like that don't like having to turn. Um, so having playing the ball in front of them and straight lining everything is easier. Um, whereas when you're a forward and you're constantly having to work up and turn back, um, it's a bit harder for him. But the, the way he was dominant as a forward that day was purely was basically they would drop the ball 15 meters in front of him. Yeah, and he was quicker to the ball. Than yeah, he would just out, out mark and have a shot at goal. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway. so he, he could go look. He could go forward and be the third prong in that forward line, um, because that might be his long term position with Lynch and Rewalt towards the end of their careers. But and he, he also has the vertical leap to play as that second ruckman. If yeah, they, yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, if, if the Nankervis and Soldo isn't working, because I don't think that like from what I've seen, Nank is a forward. He's not ridiculously strong forward, but you know can pinch hit down there as needed. He's so more think- of he's 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 a reasonable shot for goal. He's more of a goal line forward though. Yeah. Um, whereas where, Soldo can probably play a bit higher. Yeah, yeah. So. Anyway, on to St Kilda. Um, they've had a couple of coaching changes. Uh, Hamill and uh, Scroblack out, and brought in Corey Enright, um, uh, who's going to look after defence, and uh, Damien Carroll, who's who's looking after the um, development side uh, of things, which is what he was doing at Collingwood. So a little bit of change there, but no, nothing big. Obviously, uh, Hamill is a bit of a club legend, but um, uh, it looks like Corey Enright coming in will be hopefully very good for their defense. Now, who's left? Um, they've lost uh, Sam Alabarkas, uh, Jake Carlisle, Oscar Claverino, Luke Dunstan as a free agent across to Melbourne, Paul Hunter, James Frawley, Jack Loney, Sean McKernan, and Dylan Robertson. So a couple of retirements in there. Obviously, Robertson, um, unfortunately, retired. Um, uh, Sean McKernan, James Frawley, um, and Jake Carlisle all um, hung up the boots as well. Um, so we, we think it's roughly one full playing spot that's been there. And I think that's kind of like Dunstan played about 11 games. Loney played seven or eight. Um, and Carlisle played a handful as well last year. So it's roughly one spot, we reckon, um, even though they're very different positions through them. Um, who's arrived? Uh, Tom Campbell via free agency is a backup ruck, which is something that hurt them last year when they lost both Marshall um, and and uh, Ryder. Ryder. Yep. Um, 
picked up Naziah Wanganin Malira at the draft, pick 11. Um, just a, a super skilled player. Um, very light, though. So uh, I'm not sure how early we're going to see him. But I know, I know again, preseason reports are saying he's doing very well. But I'll wait for the, for the preseason matches for that. Um, Michito Mitch Owens. Uh, Marcus Winhanger, who was, I think Winhanger was off, and Owens, I think they were both actually off their, um, yeah, they were their academy. Academies, yeah. Uh, Oscar Adams, Jack Paris uh, as a Category B rookie, and Josiah Kyle as a Category B rookie. They've promoted Callum Wilkie, um, which I think was probably his last year on the rookie list last year, so naturally just moves on. Um, so Gresham and Geary return this year, um, as well as. Uh, Dan Hannabury, we hope. Um, you know, by all, again, all accounts, they're managing him very closely and um, he's on track for round one. Uh, unfortunately, Nick Caulfield has done an ACL um, and, and that, that is that is a big disappointment because, you know, St Kilda haven't, you know, there's not an, uh, an excessive amount of movement in their best 22 this year. So the, the development and the way they improve is going to be from less injuries and natural development of players. And and um, Caulfield is one of those players who still has development left in his tank. So Yeah, it's a double lose, whammy. Yeah, to lose someone like that when you're trying to push up the ladder, it, it hurts a lot. So, you know, that'll, uh, that development will then fall on to Hunter Clark to take the next step, um, who's probably not delivered what we thought he could. Um, Jack Bytel and Ryan Burns as well will uh, need to probably... Um, start taking the next step. Um, Bytel obviously been battling back injuries, I think, the last few years. Um, super talented player as a junior, but injuries were, were probably one of the main reasons why he slipped. And Ryan Burns was a was a super leader um, and, and a good, very good, handy player. Yeah, good ball getter as well. Um, yeah. So the the probably the um, one of the major issues and this has been talked about for the Saints for a while is just that even their breakout development players um, are very similar to their existing midfield group um, in terms of their upside is hardworking um, hardworking mids and Bytel um, could like he's got some traits to be really impressive but um, none of them have really got I don't know they're not x-factor type mids um, they're they're all contested ball mid so if they're going to play a heavily contested game i guess it can work but um probably the opportunity occurs more for the fact that gresham returns from an lti goes probably more into the midfield to to inject some of that hannah's probably if he can stay fit and get on the park plays a little bit midfield time a little bit wing a little bit half back or half forward um geary back probably has to play the not the role that Coffield was playing, but probably takes that spot. I think maybe is it maybe Ben Patton um, might yeah. also be coming back from injury. So I don't, I don't think that there's a whole lot of opportunities here for new players. At Josh, Josh Battle is probably another breakout. Yeah, I mean, he, he was he, he played well last year. Probably not fully broke out, but definitely he's, became a best twenty-two player. He's played enough games to be able to establish himself um, as a as a player that really takes that next step. But I, I, I think that a lot of this, this is going to come down to form, um, having the right players in the park at the right time for whether St Kilda play well and make finals um, or um, underperform. Um, I, think, I think that to 
I mean, when we talk about St. Kilda, like St. Kilda have gone through a full-blown rebuild like a lot of clubs. Um, you know, we can probably say, you know, what, Melbourne, Carlton, Brisbane were the three along with them. Um, and just to put it in perspective, so Brisbane ninth on age and ninth on games rank. Uh, Carlton 11th and 14th. Uh, Melbourne 8th and 6th. And then you, you creep down to St Kilda, 6th oldest team and 8th in experience. So, yeah. you know, they're, they're compared to the clubs that were probably rebuilding around them at the time, they, um, they're certainly the oldest, um, which, which can be influenced by a couple of those older recruits they've had. But it also shows that their list has got a big gap in it as well. So, Yeah, it does. I mean, it's like looking back even just a couple of years, um, I think that they, they traded out of early in a couple of drafts and then... Yeah. You look at the guys that they took early. Um, Billings, pick three, never really turned into the superstar that um, they were probably hoping for there. Paddy McCartan the following year, pick one. Um, again, I, this isn't trying to be piling um, any pressure on St Kilda guys that are listening to this and um, fans, um, but it is frustrating to hear. Um, Jade Gresham the following year, injuries, um, obviously injury-riddled career. Um, Harley took a pick in the early rounds of the next stage of the draft. Following draft was Hunter Clark and Coffield, both players yet to take that next real step. Um, I think but both both, both, both have established themselves as best 22 players. Yeah. I agree with that. Um, so it, this is mostly to just say there's going through the right process um, and I reckon that St Kilda have probably done that over the last um, seven or eight years of reshaping their list to have a rebuild and have a crack at a premiership again. Uh, and then there's luck and success at the draft um, where they could have come out of, uh, I mean, at least two of those drafts um, with um, Bontempelli at four instead of three or Jack McRae at five instead of three, um, which was Billings. Uh, they could have had Petraka at two, who was probably the clear best player in that pool rather than McCartan. And things potentially look different just by chance yeah. uh, rather than um, by design, which the list very much right now is created um, to try to compete um, yeah. and they, they haven't had a whole lot of luck in it. So I think if the luck turns, they can compete. Um, they've got enough good players and the design mm. has been pretty good, but man, their drafting has been either unskillful or unlucky in those middle years. Yeah, and that, and that's really it. I just think you're, you're, you're unlucky is probably the right word. I mean, you know, you can't predict Paddy McCartan to have the injuries he's had, or no, or you know, I mean, look, like would have would have thought would have thought that Billings was the superior player to those other guys as well. Um, Absolutely. So, and then Billings is a is a is a good player, not not a great player, but he's a good player, um, and that's really um, unfortunately for them that that's that's you know a pick three. Any up a good player as opposed to the guys next to who went after him who have turned into stars. That that's the part that hurts. But you know, there's the Mitch Thorpe over Joel Selwood. There's you know plenty of those scenarios um, that have played out over the years. So it, it's not to pile on St Kilda. You know, as you've said, they've manufactured a list now using you know trades and free agencies to to get themselves in a window. Um, but you know, we are. They, 
they need they need a, a, every club that wins a flag needs a golden run with injuries, but these guys need the golden run with injuries. Yeah, um, you know you can't have Ryder missing more than probably five games. You have to have Marshall on the park the whole year. Yep, um, Ben King um, needs to keep his development going, so that's probably one. I mean, Max it's King. hard. It's, it's sorry, Max King. Um, yeah, it, it's hard to say Max King needs to break out because. Last year he was so dominant, but his breakout or his development, sorry, is fixing his kicking. You know, yeah. If he takes his chances, you know, he he's well, he could win a he could win a Coleman. Yeah, I I agree. I think that in St Kilda's dream year, um, they get I don't know fifteen games out of Ryder, including the ones that matter, a full season out of Marshall, and fifty to sixty goals out of Max King, um, yeah. and everyone else stays generally fit and healthy. Get 15 games plus finals out of Hanabry. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They've they've got enough they've got enough on the list to suggest that they could play well and do some damage. Um, yeah. any any team can, but yeah. they uh yeah, they need some luck. I think I think probably the one my final comment on them is just that, you know, and we say this, you know, with a lot of sides when they bring in lots of outside players is it just takes time to gel. Um, and last year it didn't quite gel along with the injuries. Um, so, you know, Brad Crouch has been there another year. Um, Wright has been there another year, even though he's been there two already. You know, like it, it, that extra year of gelling of those new players will make a difference. So, um, yeah, they're certainly, certainly in my eyes, uh, finals capable side and everything just rests on injury for them. Where there are other sides... You know, like the dogs, I'd probably say, like they're a finals bound side, but um, it's not resting on injury as much. Like, yeah, they, they have the depth, whereas I don't think St Kilda has that depth at the moment. So, yep, I'd agree with that. Um, over to the Swans. Yep. Um, Swannies. Um, zero, zero coaching changes. Yep. Um, list changes were relatively minor as well with Caden Brand, uh, Malachi Carruthers, Jordan Dawson traded out. Sam Gray delisted, George Hewitt, free agent to Carlton, and Matthew Link delisted. So um, not not too many total number of changes. Dawson obviously frees up one of the playing spots and Hewitt, um, between Hewitt, Ling, and Brand, it frees up the other playing spot, um, most of that being Hewitt. Um, who's arrived? Peter, Peter Laddams um, probably slots straight into that best 22 at Sydney. They're a bit weaker than Port Adelaide's side um, and also have weaker key forwards and ruck stocks. Um, so makes sense for him as a move. Uh, Angus Sheldrick came in with pick 18, Matty Roberts at pick 34, uh, Corey Warner at pick 40, and Lockie Rankin at pick 58. Um, retained Louis Taylor as a rookie. Um, I, I find it really hard to know whether either Sheldrick or Roberts gets a, much of a run this year. Um, I think Sheldrick could, depending on how good he is. And, and I say that because he's someone who might not have even been projected to be drafted um, on a lot of people's lists until about a week before the draft when they realized that a couple of clubs had him high, um, which is obviously why he went pick 18 to Sydney. Um, whereas if you said at the start of the year that Matty Roberts was going to go pick 18 and Angus Sheldrick was going to go pick 58, I don't think anyone would have batted an eyelid. So um, it'll be interesting to see whether they get what they thought that they were getting um, with that. If they are, then I think that he plays ahead of Chad Warner straight away um, and mm, and can no. really 
could really get a spot. I, I think that that's where his upside is. Um, and they are trying to transition that midfield. But yeah. I think that most of the opportunities in this side are going to come from players that are already on their list. So Dill Stevens, Will Gould, Logan McDonald, uh, Warner, who we just talked about then, Gordon and Campbell. So I think that for this side to continue to move forward, I know that um, Rampy isn't going anywhere, but the long-term Rampy replacement is probably Will Gould. Um, assuming that he can get some games this year and prove that he's going to be a best 22 player for them longer term. Dill Stevens has put on some size and seems to be pl- making a bigger impact in games, which is what he really needed. He said, again, for the guys that were drafted in Dill Stevens, Will Gould's draft, where they've had two years that have been crippled by um, COVID. Uh, no, no, no two's footy. No two's footy. Um, I think Will Gould was describing it um, in an interview. Yes, I watch a lot of Will Gould interviews. Um, <laughs> was describing it in an interview that in his first year, they were playing a lot of 10 v 10. Um, and last year, he got to play more 18 v 18. Um, so they're just not used to playing footy at the level yet. Um, but I think that both of those guys can take a step. Logan McDonald continues to play more games next year. Uh, and same with Campbell, uh, Gordon ended up playing a fair few of them, um, and so did Warner. But I think we're moving towards a Swans team where those guys are ideally playing above 15 games each. Yeah, and I mean, so Jordan Dawson leaving along with George Hewitt means that, yeah, um, like Warner, Gordon, Campbell were getting their opportunities anyway. Um, so they'll maintain it, but it means a guy like Dill Stevens can step in as well. It does open up that position. It allows, you know, Ollie Florent more time on ball. Um, and, and, you know, I think there's been some talk around um, Josh Kennedy starting that transition out to allow the, the next wave to come through, which I think is important. But, you know, he, he's still supremely fit and he'll still be there. Um, so, you know, if everything's going wrong, they can always throw him back in. He can be the emergency break glass button if they need it. Um yeah, I think that that's naturally where it's all going to come from. The, the, the Swans kids are, you know, they're awesome. Like, it's great to watch. Like, they're going to be such an exciting side for the next five years. I also believe they overperformed last year. And and it might be a controversial opinion. No, and I, I'm the same I, as you. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll apologise. Uh, I'll apologise to our Swans listeners because I know we have quite a few. Um, I, I, I do think they overperformed last year. Um, but that said... That's that's the the opportunities there to prove me to prove me wrong. Not that they probably care, um, but it's it's definitely there the opportunity for them to really establish themselves again. But I definitely think that it's um, they may take a step back this year while they recalibrate, and then you know give it three years, and you know we're going to be watching um, Campbell just tear sides apart. Like he's going to be so good, and then you know Heaney keeps coming on. Like, you know, he's 24 now, 25. So, you know, it's pretty exciting. Cal Mills is their captain, their co-captain now, which is great. So, you know, the future is so bright for them and the talent they've got and having a guy like Logan McDonald there as well. Um, Paddy McCartan joining in, you know, hopefully he can get some some game time. And, you know, he, he's a 26, 27-year-old key position, high talent. You know, if he can stay clear of the head knocks and, and is, is fully right, that's a that's a bargain pickup for them. Obviously, it comes with risk, but um, yeah, I think it's it's an exciting time for the Swans. Um, but it may not, may not be an exciting year. 
Yeah, um, so Paddy McCartan's 25 as well, so turning Ooh, 22. Yeah, still earlier in his career. He just copped it really early. Um, yeah. So All moving right. on to the most injury yeah. hit side um, <laughs> of the of the preseason um, in West Coast Eagles. So Brandon Archie delisted, Braden Ainsworth delisted, Jared Brander delisted, went as a delisted free agent to the Giants, Jared Cameron delisted. Um, I think that Jared Cameron delisting was him not wanting to play AFL anymore. Um, I think it was something to do with that. Uh, Will Collins delisted, Mark Hutchings delisted, Ben Johnson delisted, Brad Shepard retired, Nathan Vardy retired, and Daniel Venables retired. So um, between Vardy, Shepard, Hutchings, Brander, um, there was really probably only two spots um, there. Um, There were some coaching changes as well. What were they? Uh, so Schofield and uh, from Port Adelaide and Matthew Knights um, have joined along with Daniel Pratt and they've lost Jamie Graham and Adrian Hickmont. So there's a bit of movement there. I think picking up uh, Knights was at Geelong. Um, and and um, Schofield was obviously at Port Adelaide. So, so those two pickups are great. You know, you've got an ex-AFL coach in Matty Knights and someone who's been playing at, a, who's been coaching at a, a powerhouse in Geelong, along with Schofield, who's been coaching um, at a, a highly rated side. So, I think, um, yeah, some good changes there for them. Um, and and um, Hick, uh, yeah, so it's it, it's positive for them in that way. Uh, looking at who's arrived. Um, obviously, they've got uh, Sam Petrovsky Sam Seaton through trade with Carlton. So, you know, big opportunity for him there. Campbell Chesser at pick 14 in the draft. Brady Ho Hoff. Rhett Bazo, which we love. Um, Jack Williams and Greg Clark, who is a mature age rookie on every super coach's radar, who is unfortunately injured now. Uh, no promoted or retained rookies. LTIs, they've got Shuey returning. Last year, they only had. Um, Yo and Duggan play, you know, call it 14 games-ish each. Um, where we're looking for breakouts and development, I mean, to be honest, there's not a lot uh, of that opportunity for them, but we do see Alex Witherden um, really taking on the next step, um, being a, a, a further development of his game, um, along with uh, Bailey Williams getting the opportunity with Vardy uh, moving away and the injuries that are mounting. So uh, I guess talking about the injuries, um, they've obviously Jack Darling is not with the club at the moment um, for not meeting um, the AFL mandates. Um, and then you've got uh, Oscar Allen has picked up an injury. And who else? There's another one. There's three forwards. Was it Cripps? Um, Cripps, yeah. yeah. So Cripps is torn a peck. So he's with surgery. He'll be back around, around three or four, um, yeah. so they estimated. So, yeah, he'll be back in the first half of the year, but it won't be for the first few rounds. So there's definitely going to be some spots in that forward lineup for grabs. So that's three of your top four goal kickers from yeah. last year. And really, and, 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 the top, and, and the one remainer, which is Josh Kennedy, um, you know, is what, 34 going on 35. And, yep. and, and look, he's incredibly ageless, in, but he's, you know, expecting a full 22 games out of him is going to be difficult. I think he probably, if he can get 15, that's good. Um, but yeah, I think there, Petrovsky-Seaton probably slots into the middle. 
Um, and, you know, if he can... He does give him something different, I think, is a good thing. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a t- it's going to be a tough year for West Coast, I think. Yeah, um, I, I think it will as well. Um, I think that one of the other players who has improved his stocks over the preseason, but even towards the back of last year, was Connor West. Um, a bit of talk about him potentially stepping up, um, especially while the midfield is depleted and playing a midfield role. Um so to be yeah, there's a couple of spots at the at the Eagles. Um, I think that one of the players that'll be returning, who was always on the list, so he doesn't actually appear in any of these as well, is Rioli. Um, oh yep, 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 you're right. So yeah. I think Rioli probably, um, assuming that fitness and everything like that after a little while out of the game is back up, that he probably plays one of those forward spots um, at least over the early rounds. Um, yep, probably takes Cripps' role. So but yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see how the year goes for the Eagles because this was always the the risk that was uh, forecast when they made the Kelly trade um, yeah. was that they're going all in on an old list, um, which if they won a flag, um, then they would have been looking like geniuses and no one would have any questions. But if they didn't, then they would have sacrificed what would have been a good time to rebuild um, just after winning a flag. What would have been a great time to rebuild with an old list for um, uh, Fool's Chance. Um, and, and they had three picks in three Three early selections that they that they traded yeah, away. Pre-20, sorry. Yep. For uh, for a player who probably could have returned there as a out-of-contract player or um, for less in future. Um, I don't know that the aim was to get him home, but Geelong definitely got the better of that trade. Um, yeah. And and it's and it's now is where it's going to hurt them. So that that trade is just going to really. Um... Well, yeah, you think probably without Tim Kelly on their list right now, and with three other first round draft picks instead, that this would be a rebuilding site. Yeah, yeah, but they'd be still in a phase of contention. Like they're not. Yeah, yeah, like the, probably like a, a a not as advanced version of what Port is. Yes, um, is in less less high quality youngsters and a lot of guys on there at the later end of their career. So you're still in contention, but you can get those young guys through. Yep. Um, instead, it, it's flipped. Um, it's very much so we're dealing with the older guys. And just, I mean, the biggest thing at the moment is it, it's hard to write West Coast off because the home ground advantage means a lot. You, you probably, you know, they've got 11 games. Like, you know, now borders are going to be open March 3 um, in time for the AFL season. Let's assume they've got um, uh, what eleven home games, so you probably say they win seven of those at least, seven or eight, um, in a normal year with this quality of side. Um, and what that means effectively is they only need to win three games on the road, and and they're pretty much in finals. So, yes, yeah. it's, it's not a it's not a big stretch for them to make finals. They've got the quality on the list. Everything comes down to injury for these guys. And on top of that, um, it, it's just going to be how they handle... Um, it's, it, the last two years have been tough for them. I think it's probably the fair way. So yep. They've been on the road a lot. It's it's hurt. And, and how they go moving back into that normality is going to be very interesting. Um, yep. Uh, but yeah, so uh, lots of opportunity with them in terms of, of injury opportunity. So I think Chessa, Bazo, 
um, Jack Williams and Clark will all get runs this year. Um, I'm not sure where where Brady Hoff really sits. Um, but yeah, I also think that if those guys are getting lots of runs, it probably means they're, they're not in the top eight. Agree, mate. Um, take us through the Western Bulldogs. Yeah, so um, they've lost two coaches in Ashley Hansen and Stephen King, um, who have left to go to um, where they go, Carlton and Gold Coast. Um, they haven't named any replacements at this stage, so um, we'll, obviously they'll work that out in due course. Um, um, who's left? So uh, Ben Kavara, Will Hayes. Um, have been delisted, Lynn Jong and Sam Lloyd retired along with Easton Wood and then Pat Lipinski and Lewis Young were both traded. I think Lewis Young probably hurts a little bit. Um, so we, we've kind of, you know, between Wood, Lipinski and Young, that's that's net 1.5 spots. Um, I know Lipinski covered for Dunkley a lot in 2021, um, so it might only be a net one spot. Uh, who's arrived, they've brought in Tim O'Brien as a free agent. Um, obviously, uh, father-son in Sam Darcy at pick two. Um, and then they picked up Arthur Jones, Luke Cleary, Charlie Parker, Robbie McComb, and Cody Rake um, as a Category B rookie. So um, Sam Darcy, the feature there. Um, and then hopefully some depth along there. LTIs, Dunkley obviously missed a lot of games. Um, Bruce is out or probably till very late in the season, definitely like round 14, I think, um, which which in uh, moving on to de- developments and breakouts, it should open the door for Jamara Eugle Hagen to, to take a forward role. Now he's had a full preseason under his belt and, um, you know, it's been difficult without having VFL for these guys to properly develop, so expectations on Jamara um, last year were, you know, I actually think he probably overachieved what I expected him given the broken two years um, the Vic kids have had. Um, So the fact that he played a few games and got a taste was a good thing. Um, And then the other big one is Tim English. They, they need him to become number one ruck. I'm like, we can't sugarcoat it. To date, he's hit a, he's hit a point where um, he's, been good enough to be a best 22, but in terms of being a number one ruck, he's not good enough for the Bulldogs at the moment for them to to be uh, top of the heap. So um, we really want to see Tim English take that next step that we all think he has, um, which is that super agile uh, mobile ruckman at 205 centimetres who wins taps. Yeah. Um, it's still, for me... Um... For me, this has always been a, a question mark on English and um, it's still a question mark that he hasn't probably been able to overcome. Is it still around the grounds? Doesn't look like he wants to get involved with body contact, um, like as in Ed Ruck contests. It, I think that he's okay with wanting to leap at center bounces and he's good at leaping at the ball when he's playing as a key forward. Um, but something about like the sideways bash and crash doesn't seem to be something that he wants to engage too much in. And this might be me reading too much into it because, again, I have really high expectations for English as a ruckman. Um, but right now, it's like an around-the-grounds ruckman. I would be backing Oscar McInerney at Brisbane over 
Team English, which I thought English would be well past where OMAC is right now. Um, I, I thought that he would, yeah, he would probably at least take that next step and be in the uh, in the conversation for top three or four ruckmen in the comp, the top maybe four or five, maybe. I don't know. Uh, I don't. I don't because the other thing is that he could also be no, not going to be that type of player, but in two years' time, just be the best ruck forward in the competition. And I could also see that happening because he's got pretty good shot on goal and a good ability to launch at the ball forward, much better than most ruckmen. Yep. Yeah. And that's, and yeah, it's the hard part is um, a player like him, we've probably not seen too many like him where my, my memory serves me correct. He was, he, he grew a lot in his last years of like, he was a midfielder at under 16s and I think he became a ruckman, yeah, well, he was a, he was drafted in his nineteenth year, not his eighteenth year, so he yeah. still was growing um, at that second last year. Yeah, so he grew he grew like twenty centimeters or something. So that I mean, there's a reason why his skills are beautiful. It's because he was a midfielder, um, and um, you know he's still obviously um, being being very tall myself. <laughs> there's a part where you have to learn to use your size, um, and I, I grew a lot late in in my teenage years as well. And, and it is an adjustment. Like you, you do like not, I'm not even at the same level just eat, but just even in local footy and stuff, like there is an adjustment when you realize, Oh shit, I'm bigger than the bloke next to me. Oh, well I can bang into him now a bit more. And you know, that does take a bit of an adjustment and I can't imagine the adjustment that would take at an AFL level. So, you know, I can understand to a point where he probably sits there and, you know, in the back of his head, he's grown up playing a certain way and he might've been the small kid, as a midfielder or the one who kept getting smacked into and all of a sudden he's, you know, 105 kegs and 205 centimetres, not realising that, you know, if you hit the other bloke, he's probably going to fall over, not you. <laughs> so, it, it, unfortunately, it's that kind of embedded. A couple of others I just think I might call out for, for you know, development for the dogs. You know, guys like Riley West, um, Riley Garcia, Louis Butler, um, and even, even Ed Richards, who's played a lot. Um, you know, he, he needs to really establish himself a bit further. Um, but just looking at their list, it's such a beautiful, like, list um, in the sense that, you know, everything under kind of 28 years old, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's, there's so much talent under 28 and then everything over 28 are, like, players they absolutely need um, with maybe... Uh, yeah, you could even like Taylor Duray is probably the only one where you say, well, maybe they've got someone younger who can play that role, but even then, he's still better than them. So yeah, yeah, Taylor Duray is still a really solid player. Um, yeah, yeah I mean, they're going to play finals. You, you have to think next year. Um, it's just about where they finish, and a lot of that's going to come down to luck with injury. If um, Dunkley can stay fit for longer, if Jamari Wahagan can potentially take a, a step in At, his career. Adam- Adam Trelaw, like, honestly. Yeah, exactly. Adam Trelaw returned look, back to 90, 95% of what he was like at Collingwood or what he played yeah. like in finals. Well, have a, have a look in their grand final. It, you know, he was he was superb. I, I, like, yeah, he was outstanding. You've watched <laughs> it a few times, have you? <laughs> yeah, just a few. Yeah, um, just looking but, at the dogs, uh, Trelaw's positioning at stoppages, things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, All actually, no. I, I, it's funny you say that. Like, I did actually, you know, Kind of once the, the the high of the emotion runs away, um, I start looking at a bit more as my coaching background. And yeah, I was watching. You know, Trelaw was. You know, he was a, 
a lot better than my memory of the moment. And that's obviously, you know, that, that is the problem with being in the moment sometimes, but he, he was fantastic. He, yeah, he was and, but, it, but it looked like he gassed out. So, you know, you, you think that if he can, if he can get an, a full preseason that his body will allow and really get some miles in the legs. And so he can run out games like he used to, um, that that's a weapon and a half for them because he he was like he was scary good in that yeah. game. I yeah, mean, it, was, it wasn't. I I just thought it was all Bontempelli, but it actually wasn't. It was no Trelaw was the one that unlocked it. Bontempelli yeah. is a beautiful finisher, um, yeah. but yeah, and he can turn games. But I think he's more of a finisher than um, yeah. did, didn't spark it all by himself. And and I think probably for them, the the biggest thing is just going to be getting that blend with the midfield right. Because I still felt that, like in finals, they had that huge surge and and everything, but I still felt their midfield mix wasn't fully settled. You know, um, Bailey Smith, as big a weapon as he is, I, I feel like he's lost playing. Well, his his potential impact to the game is lost playing him out on a wing or on a half forward, um, and a yep. bit like like I'd I'd almost try and have him and Trelaw alternating. Yeah, that, that speedy impact get out, and then you know look at how you balance it around having those two as those two as just such weapons with their pace and the directness of the way they move. Yeah, that it's a constant th- offensive threat to every team. Yeah, whereas you know McRae is just going to be McRae. He's going to rack up his thirty. He's going to use it beautifully. He's going to be in the right places, and you can put him on the wing or you can put him in the middle. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. But Bailey Smith and Adam Trelaw at the contest is is where they have the greatest impact on the game. So yeah. I think I'd like to see that a bit more. And obviously, you know, the balance between, you know, Liver, Dunkley, Bont, um, you know, is going to be interesting as well. But yeah, I honestly think the dogs this year, um, top four is a minimum. Uh, that they should be expecting. Um, whether they get back to the grand final or not, it'll be interesting, um, but they're built for the next five years to really be a super contender and potentially pluck at least one, if not two flags. Is, is It's the opportunities there in front of them if they can sort out. Yeah, if they can sort it out, that's going to be the big one. Um, I think there's a couple of, couple of opportunities for them um, internally, but they've got enough players in their list to, to be able to work it out and, take that next step we didn't mention obviously tim o'brien we feel just slots straight into their back line um, yeah so tim like yeah so when we said um eastern wood retired tim o'brien just plays that role um yeah. to play that role that he played pretty well at hawthorne um is probably better with the ball in front of him like a lot of forwards end up being so he can slot across into that eastern wood spot um and so, i'd say probably the other one from their players coming in is charlie parker um they got a couple of mature age players and yeah. Um, they do well at promoting from the Bulldogs VFL system. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me to see him get some games, but I think that development is internal again. Yeah, and Darcy probably spends a year in the VFL or the Southeastern AFL. Yeah, exactly. The Southeastern. Um, or the East Coast. East, what do we call it? EFL. Eastern football. It can't be the AFL. But it is. East Coast. East Coast. But why not East? Because there's already an AFL, mate, that'll be trademarked. The Eastern Footy League in Victoria. Yeah, that'll be a trademark. Oh, sure, they can get a they can get a life. Um, <laughs> East Coast Football League. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, I think yeah, I think he spends the year there. Um, 
Does, the, that, mean, the, does the, that mean you're excluding the ACT? They're not allowed to be a part of it? Why? Because they're, they're not on the coast. coast. I guess they're considered East Coast, like as in they're East, within East, a thousand kilometres East, of the coast. East Coast definition. Yeah, yeah. Mean. Okay. But, I mean, I, I think it'll be it'll be interesting to see how the, their defence to me is their biggest weakness, and Tim O'Brien is is an upgrade on what's in there at the moment. So that's an improvement, but I still think they're lacking one key defender, and and maybe Sam Darcy is that in two or three years, but you know next year they need that key defender, and obviously they'll alternate between um, Cordy Gardner. Or maybe is Gardner on the list still? I didn't see him come out. Mm, not sure, but um, but you know, Cordy and all that will, will alternate along with Keith. But they really, you know, Shacky was doing well as a forward in finals, so uh, you know, you probably don't move him unless you have to. Um, yeah, it, it's it's just the defense is the only thing that worries me. They got beautiful ball users there, you know, um, in Daniel and um, Bailey Dale. But would you, I mean, would you potentially, uh, this a lot comes down to your other options in the ruck, but um, sacrifice English forward um, to allow Norton to play permanent back and go with a different ruck combination. So either Steph Martin or what's the other guy? He's a jumping guy out of the sample. He's been there for a couple of years. I'm not Um, sure. I can't remember his name, but... That's that's potentially one other option. Um, is I I think for me, having watched Norton through his juniors, oh, and I understand why they play him forward. But this is a probably a constant battle amongst our friendship group and the dog supporters in there. But I would um, I would always play him back. Given the, the I think, well, Bruce being out hurts, but I think that you can build your forward line that they have enough forwards on their list that you can probably get away with moving Norton back and solidifying that back line. Um, but by all accounts, Norton will stay forward again this year. So I'm not expecting that to change. Yeah. Norton feels a bit like, you know, Hurley early in his year, in early in his career. Like, you know, there was that constant battle. Is he a better forward? Is he a better backman? He played a lot forward and then he ended up finishing his career as a center half. Well, he hasn't finished his career technically, but, his his closing years of his career has been as a centre half back, and I think that's where he's made the most impact. And my opinion is that Norton will be the same, but um, that may not be the opinion of the people that actually matter. Yeah. So Jordan Jordan Sweet was the other oh, one. Yeah, 20, Sweet, 24, yeah. 205 centimeters. Um, that's another option. Um, I mean, I, I'm just keen to see them have Norton back at least for one full game, so we can see what he's like. But we'll leave that for another day. Hey, mate, yeah. thanks again for um, smashing out a podcast with me. Thanks again, listeners, for for sticking with us. I know that we mentioned it at the start, but um, it does mean a lot when we are unable to release a podcast for a short period of time and you guys stick with us anyway. Um, so do th- thank you so much for that. And we will try to get more and more content out when we get more time. More time. Um, and we've got some exciting milestones this year as well um, with Sean's second um, coming on soon. It's, uh, my rumours is that it's going to be named after the podcast, so um, <laughs> there might be a little baby listics coming up soon enough. Um, but yeah, it just th- thanks again, guys. Yeah, thanks everyone. We really do appreciate it, and we also appreciate um, all the kind words on on Twitter that have, have certainly been popping up recently. And 
Um, we do love our following a lot and, um, you know, we're excited to bring you more content this year and beyond. If you constantly worry that the worst is going to happen, you're not alone. One in four Australians will experience anxiety. No one anxiety is talking. Visit Beyond Blue to start a life beyond anxiety.